Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Hi, Chris. How you doing, Abby? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good, good. You look beautiful and green. Look at you. Thank you. Come on. Since we're talking about money, that's what is green. Come on. I, I think we probably need to start uh, <laughs> coordinating, huh? Yes. You all, yeah, yeah, we got a little coordination, huh? Look at the little green sign and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we can coordinate. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so I'm excited for the week. We got some good stuff. Um, and you know, continuation from last week, guys. So um, if this is your first time subscribing, um, I want you to go ahead and you know come to the show. I want you to go ahead and click the like button below and to subscribe to us. And so we're gonna have some good info for tonight tonight for you guys. And um, you know, I'm Christopher Bush, financial advisor. I'm Abby Joseph, your tax strategist, and welcome. And to an episode of Redline. Hit the Welcome show for us. Welcome to the Redline, guys. <laughs> Go ahead and get our intro, Vic. That's Hunter. What's happening? Oh, uh, nothing really. Um, let's see. It slows down. So doing um tax season is over. So work for me slows down a little bit. I'm actually thinking about traveling a tiny bit, having a real vacation. Really? Where are you talking about going? I don't know yet. I don't are know. More, yet. My brother wants more... me to go to Japan with him in August. So gotcha. Never know. Yeah. So are you more are you more like a beach person or overseas? Like what do you what do you normally typically gravitate to? Um, I mean, being in Florida and being from the island, listen, I get enough tropical. Oh, I kind of like, yeah, I kind of like the Europe. I do want to go to Germany. So um, I like Europe. I like Germany. and But I've never been to Japan. So Japan, Japan kind of sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so what I do you like have it. going on? So working, you know, just going through transition and uh, yeah, building a business, helping clients, getting back to it um, to everybody. So this week, the last two weeks have been really busy for me. So hopefully I got probably another two weeks of grinding and kind of things will kind of smooth off and level off. So I'm excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, so we got some good stuff. We got some good stuff coming. So so what we got tonight. So tonight we're talking about, you know, I guess financial pillars for, you know, biz, you know, setting up your business, because last week you did an amazing job kind of talking about uh, the different types of entities to have when it comes to your business and um, what to look forward to. Um, you know, and one thing I wanted to kind of follow up, maybe you should kind of know when you're um, now for Abby, for you, are you doing a lot of entity creations for people or are you using like an entity attorney or an entity creation attorney for that? We have a business attorney that we work really well with. Um, his name is Jeff. So when we creating these entities, um, we usually reach out to Jeff. Um, okay. It's so it's usually important. We create and our firm does create the entities, um, and um, we work with with Jeff, who's a business attorney. Okay, awesome. Now, do they typically kind of tie that in um, to like their living trust and those type things? I know we're going to talk about that on a couple, you know, in our next few episodes. But you know, when, when we're looking at like a, I was thinking about like a plan for clients, and actually had a real estate client to where he has, of course, a couple different businesses. He has real estate. 
Um, he has those things and he needed we needed to kind of do like an entity audit. Right. I think that's part's important for people that have multiple businesses, that entity audit and how that comes into play to see, OK, maybe you started off with just one LLC. But how mm-hmm. does that transition as you get more businesses and when should you do that? Right. Get different types of uh, um, uh, audits in place. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, LLCs in place or S corps in place or C corps in place as you start to expand. Um, you know, your will. Yeah. Um, what usually happen is when we get a client and um, they're, they're either an entrepreneur and understand there is a difference between a, a business owner and an entrepreneur. We'll, we'll talk about that um, even further. Yeah. But um, the first thing we actually do is we do do an audit for them. We go over, okay, are you, are you structure right? Okay. Are you in the right entity? Um, also, are you respecting that entity? Because you could find that someone that is um, that has an S corp, right, or that have a C corp, but they're they're not functioning under that entity guidelines yeah. or um, what is required under that entity. So when we do an entity audit, we're looking at okay, are you in the right structure? Have you um, have you been applying the guidelines that are aligned with that structure? Um, how are your payroll? Are you taking a reasonable salary? Um, are, are you hiring subcontractors uh, when they should be employees? You know, yeah. when they should be a W-9, are you hiring um, 1099s? So we go overall um, a structure. And sometimes um, they, they're fine. The entity they have created is perfectly fine. And sometimes it's time to pivot. Perfect. It's time to pivot, yeah. So I guess maybe that goes into tonight. Uh, you know, you brought up a couple of points, per, you know, before our episode. Kind of talk to us about what your view is on some of the financial pillars that um, you feel that people should kind of think about um, when it relates to entity creation in their business. Okay, so when it comes to um, if you coming from a, um, let's just say I um, I have a hobby, right? If you pivoting from a hobby to um, to an entity, I usually say it's best to start off with either if it's just you, it's usually best to start off as a single member LLC, right? Um, if it's more than you, then then we're looking at a multi member LLC. If you um, from that from that LLC, if there's growth, right? If there is a continuing of cash flow, if we're looking at okay, every year I'm making fifty thousand dollars or more, these tax liabilities are starting to get a little high. Then it would be time, okay, let's pivot to an S corp. And remember, the S corp itself is not the entity. You're pretty much telling IRS how you want to be, be taxed. So um, with an S corp, I would say, okay, once we start making 50, 60,000 a year, let's pivot because we want to make enough to be able to pay ourselves if we're going to be in payroll. So I don't necessarily think like there's a, there, there is level in, um, when it comes to entities, but I think there's um, situations where one, one is required, one is better for you tax wise than the other. So um, in another example, let's just say um, I have this $500,000 that I'm, that I'm about to pour into this startup or into a, a business, then that S, then that C Corp is, is what I would want to start looking at. So when it comes to pillars, I would say, okay, look at single member, multi-member, S Corp, C Corp. Um, when it comes to income level, they do have, um, they do, they do make a difference. Gotcha. Now, I guess when it comes to the invest for a savings and investment part of like our business, I think one thing that's important 
like once you have that entity set up, that entity um, going, right? Mm -hmm. We, we want to make sure that we always separate our personal from our business, right? And I think yes. one thing that people to understand is, okay, now that we have an entity that's set up, right? If we have an LLC or have an S-Corp, there still needs to be a totally different financial structure, right? Mm -hmm. With your entities than it does your personal, right? You know, yes. so, so and, and I think that's what's one thing that's important. And a lot of times, you know, for a lot of business owners, OK, that if you are making money, you are generating income. A lot of your cash, the first thing that we, we open up is business bank accounts. OK, yes. Um, but what one thing that I really want to encourage people to do and you kind of can talk about on the tax strategy side, you know, yes. once they start having income that they, they can kind of set aside for, you know, you always talk about stop. Right. 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 So once you have some income set aside that you can say, OK, well, I don't want it's not going to be used for um, uh, payroll. It's not going to be used for mm -hmm. owner's draw. But I do need money sitting inside my business account. Um, and, and I want to make sure I open up a business brokerage account. Right. Yes. And again, the, the goal is for not to say, hey, I'm trading out of that per se. Um, mm -hmm. But you're you're using that cash that's that you don't have to push out to you as an individual, but you're using that in, that in, um, that brokerage account or your uh, corporate your entity structured brokerage account, whether LLC or a trust or uh, mm -hmm. S corp that account, so you can start to grow and earn money. What are, you kind of talked about them some some of the benefits they can use um, to do to utilize that. It's so funny how many um, I'll get traders, um, I'll get real estate investors, entrepreneurs um, that will come to us and they will say. Um, okay, I'm, I'm Abby, I'm making about $20,000 in the stock market a month. Um, I'm a full-time trader. I trade either Forex futures or option, um, or I've been running my business and I'm getting about $30,000 cash flow every month. So when, um, when you do, when you do get to that level where your business is growing, even before your business is growing, there are some steps that you have to take. Step number one is once you create that entity, understand you're creating from the from the federal level, right, to the state level, to the county level. The federal level is IRS, right? Um, that is very important. The thing is, on the federal level, it's extremely hard to amend um, an entity once it's yeah. created on the federal level. On yeah. the state level, it's because you are registering that entity. And because every year you get to renew it, it's easier to make changes. Whereas in the federal level, it, it's, it is what it is. Like and so in the federal, like even changing an address at the so federal hard. level, like it's a, it's a horrible process. So it you is. might as well just leave it and make sure you have it on your tax return that it's the updated address versus trying to handle it at that federal level, right? Exactly. And another what ha usually happens is that people will create, they'll do a DIY, they'll create an entity in a federal level and they tell IRS, oh, listen, this entity I'm creating is for e-commerce. But then they're running that entity as a trucking company. Yeah. Or they're saying, listen, I created this entity for marketing, but then they're running this as an e-commerce. So it's very important that for whatever specific reason why you create an entity, you have to run it that way. So once you create the entity in the federal, state, county level, let me ask you one thing. One thing. I'm sorry, I cut you off. When you, that, I think that's important because I know for me, I even have an entity that I set up before that I was looking at. Okay, okay. How do I go back? It's been years. How do I go back and find out how I registered that entity? I think there, you know, there's a lot of people that understand. Okay, well, how, how do I go find out how it was registered? Because a lot of times you just have that EIN piece of paper, but you don't have the real data that you put in. You would have to come. You would have to actually contact IRS. Yeah. Um, okay, or when you created your entity on the federal level, IRS provided you what is called. I'm going to give you the name really, really quick. Mm, give me two seconds. 
I think we got two questions too, uh, Vic. If you can put uh, Chief's Chief Motivations first questions. Uh, I started I started a LLC, but the brand branding isn't right. Now mm-hmm. I need to rebrand my name. Can I keep the LLC and start the business under it in my name? Yeah, I mean, so I would just say that's just the DBA, right? If so, if you're just trying to change a name or have a different type of branding, you don't have to change the entire EIN, right? You can do a DBA um, that the new brand, right? So for me, like. Let's say if I'm using my company, Bush Group, right? That's my overall holding company when it comes to investments and everything else. But let's say for marketing, like I have an online marketing um, company that I use, but I call it Wealth After Work. So that's the, that's the, my DBA is Wealth After Work, but it still all flows because of the same business type. It still flows up to the Bush Group. Correct. Correct. So yeah, um, yeah, Chef. If you um, if you started your LLC, um, but the branding and and it's and it's the reason why you find people um um have hard time with that is because when it's time to obtain a loan or when it's time for them to get um what's called um uh, if they're if they're trying to get a um oh what is it called uh my I got brain fog it's very hard if you've been branding let's just say I've been literally branding my my business as the relationship accountant but my entity name is Serenity Financial if I'm trying to get a um oh what is it called not a uh, not a loan but free money what is what's free money a grant a grant all right. So my brain, it's, it's no, so you're good, you're good. what will happen is that when when that institution is going to look up your information, if all you've been branding, right, is um, the relationship account, that's what they know me as. Right. So it's so it's so important that when you do your brand, you want to make sure that you are using your entity, somewhat of your entity, even if you have a DBA, even if you do, are doing business as, it's very important that in your brand that you are using your business name, or it's going to be very hard for you to get grants or um, 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 and loans. That's but yeah. Well, in so the we, federal, so, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, what I was going to say is in the federal level, when you created your entity, IRS provided you a form that's called CP 575. G notice that CP 575 G notice is very important that you keep a copy of that Um, by keeping a copy of that at any time that you need information about your EIN about your business uh, with IRS you need to have that documentation Um, so if say for an example I wanted my name change so if I have an EIN number my business name and I wanted to change I would need that CP 575 I would complete um, the form that IRS required for me to complete to make that name change. But it's so important that you do keep that document. That makes sense. Yeah, perfect. And then Dale, you can pop that up on a big uh Dale. Um, you know, is is it uh is it possible for is it possible to change from an LLC to an S Corp and refile past tax years taxes? So yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, like if you have an LLC, right, you can say, okay, now I want to file uh form number 2353, I believe, right? And you can say, hey, I want, I want to elect the, I want to have, I want to elect the S corporate election. However, mm-hmm. you can't, if it's, if it's in, I think you actually have until July, right? July 30th to actually elect the mm-hmm. S corporate, the S corp election for 2023. If you wait until like after August to try to say, hey, look, well, I went this whole entire year, you know, and now I want to turn on the S, the S corp election to, to lower my, to get rid of the 15.3% taxes. See what happens now. Now it's going to be too late. Okay, but so so you have to. What's the, I guess I need to Google it real quick. Um, 
what's the uh let's see i believe it's 75 days so from the time that you created your entity right to the time that you want to elect a seven um as an escort irs give you about 75 days from that time now let's yeah. just say you've been running your business as an llc for the last five years right um and now the business is growing and you would like to elect as an escort you can complete form 2553 but you need to explain to irs why did you not um, obtain that you did not elect the llc in the time that it was due um most likely irs will approve it for you um, but you do need an explanation in the form 2553 it will show you i'll pull that form right here for you guys yeah. So and, and that's important because I know I remember back in 2015 or 14, my CPA did that for me. So it was a little bit later, but we were still able to get it pushed through. But he was able to write an explanation in a letter to the IRS. We got an approved, but you definitely can't get it approved in December for 2023. Right. It, you, you need to you need to um, have time to push payroll taxes through all those things. Um, no, yeah. So when um, I would say, let me see, share screen. Uh, yes. Uh, let's see, 2553. So if you're looking at the form 2553 in here, this box right here, you want to explain to IRS, right, why you didn't complete the form in the time it was due. And I haven't had a client that um, that we, we explained to IRS why that they didn't get approved. So um, I would say just um, you want to reach out to your CPA um, or your accountant or your tax strategist and just let them know and they'll complete the form for you and get that done for you. Perfect. Um, let me see. When investing in real estate, at what point does it become a business? Uh, the day you made it a business? <laughs> I mean, yeah. again, like the day that you make the property and you say, hey, look, now, uh, now I want to have this in LLC. I mean, and now it's going to determine what type of business you have. Are you still going to do a sole proprietor or S Corp? Those type things. But technically, when you buy that first property, you have a business. Right. You, yep. you, you, you are you're you, you you have the ability to have a business. Right. Um, yep. Because now you're getting rental income. Right. So that means you can kind of open up your business bank accounts, do those type things. You're going to have write offs. Um, you can, you know, depend upon how much work you're doing. Like so all that all that comes from day one once you buy that first property. Yeah. And plus, two, um, I would say that the LLC that you are creating for that property, remember that it is a, it's a liability. So it's a protection. Right. Yeah. You want you want to make sure that um, that property is protected. So let's just have a rental property and it's under my social and not under EIN and something happens. You want to make sure that you protect yourself. Remember, the two biggest reasons for creating an entity, especially an LLC, is one, the protection of personal assets and two, tax saving. Absolutely. Those two. Let's see. Um, is it possible to change from LLC to an S corp refile? Yes, it is possible. Um, well, no, no, no. Well, you can't refile though. You can't refile, right? You no. can't say you, you can't can, amend it. You can't yeah, amend you it. Can't, or amend it. Say, hey, look, now I want to do. I want to go back and stay on my S corp for 2022. You can't do that, but you can say going forward you can. But you going can't. Go back and, that is correct. That is correct. You can't. You can't amend. You can't change the entity and then amend your return. You can't yeah. do that. You can just move forward into it. Yeah. Okay, so one one of the thing too that um, um, that we find a lot of people that have a lot of issue is the individuals that says, "Yes, listen, I am making fifty or sixty thousand dollars. Now um, I need to pay myself." You'll yeah. be amazed how many people are not taking payroll. Yeah, 
They're not paying. Well, why, why do you why do you think that a lot of people are afraid to to do payroll? Like why why is that why is that something? Well, I, honestly, well, let me see. Let me hear your opinion. Like why do you feel like people are afraid to take payroll? Maybe they don't just know how to take payroll. I think. I mean, that's one of the main things. They just don't know how. To be quite honest with you, I think that's what it is. I think too. Um, and I'm not, I, I'm for anybody that's going to do DIY. Just make sure when you do DIY, you know what you're doing. Um, I would say almost 90% of clients that are S4 that are not taking payroll is because they didn't know they needed to take payroll. Yeah. Um, and the other percentage is because they'll say, oh, well, um, I'm not making um, enough to pay myself. Well, if you're not making enough to pay yourself, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have elected as an S4 because what, what gives you that S corp <laughs> um, thing from IRS is the payroll because you're not taxed on the distribution. The only way you are taxed is on payroll. So if you're not taking payroll in IRS mindset, you're cheating. You, yeah. It's called double dipping. You double dipping. IRS sees you as double dipping. So if you're not taking payroll, the IRS will audit you and it won't be pretty. Yeah. I, I, um, and there's a difference too. So if you are an LLC, do you need to take payroll? No, you do not. If you are a single member LLC or a multi-member LLC, you do not need to take payroll. What you do take is called a draw. Um, so it's when you transfer funds from your business account to your personal account. That's a draw. Perfect. That's, yeah. But you have to take a reasonable salary. A reasonable salary, Christopher. So you can't be making five hundred thousand dollars out here, Christopher, and paying and yourself thousand. Up twenty thousand, absolutely. And right, that's a good question from the barber. He said, "Should a barber making fifty k form an LLC and escort?" That's a pretty good question. Uh, yeah, always, why always not? Talk, yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I think I think it's a vision of the barber too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of barbers that I sit down with. I remember when I was starting to build my business. Uh, one of my strategies was, look, I'm going to go to every barbershop every single week and get my hair cut from a different barber because I understand that barbers are right, they're, they're pretty much the center of the network. Right. So that's yeah. how when I moved to Los Angeles, I built my business. One of the biggest really? ways is by going to different barbers. Right. I'm like, look, if they go push my hairline back, it's OK, because I'm right. Uh, I'm trying I'm trying to build this business. Right. But mm-hmm. understanding, like if you're a barber and you're making 50K, you know, you can fail that S Corp. Right. And you probably should in some cases. But the biggest thing is that so many barbers deal in cash that they're not really capturing any types of write-offs, right? Because, okay, well, I'd rather just keep all my money versus me filing for LLC and get taxed and all that type of stuff. However, if you're spending money on equipment, right, if you're spending money on things, but you don't get to write it back off, you're still losing money in that standpoint as well, right? And it's not only just that, okay, you are a barber and that's if that's what you do for a living and that's what brings bread to your table, what is your goal? Have you ever, um, are you looking into, you know, growing that business? Are you looking to actually purchase a home? Um, One of the beautiful things about an S-Corp is that you are obtaining a W-2. And any of us know that banks love W-2. By having that W-2, it correct. They love seeing W-2s. So by actually having that W-2, it looks better on paper, especially with the banks. It, it looks amazing exactly. um, um, with the banks when it comes to W-2. It's it's so funny. I was literally thinking um, originally, right? You're an engineer, correct, Chris? Yep, yep. Previous, okay. yep. So you're an engineer that became an entrepreneur, right? Yep. 
All right. So let, let me just, uh, and, and you guys probably want to know too, um, how does an engineer pivot to entrepreneurship? Well, I think for me, it was big because I I'm pretty a calculated person, right? So going from engineering to entrepreneurship, I said, okay, one thing I do want to make sure of is that I want to have enough money saved up for at least a year, year and a half to where even if my business doesn't do well, I can still live the same type of lifestyle that I live right now. Right. So when I quit my job in corporate America, I had close to a quarter million dollars saved up before I quit. Right. So so I start I started making one hundred thousand dollars at 22 years old by the time I was 27. Right. I, I stayed in corporate America for five and a half years, but I was working my business part time those five and a half years. So all my money that I was making part time, I was focused on saving it, investing it. So that's what really got me excited about being in the financial field is because I wanted to be free. And originally I wanted to be a real estate mogul. Right. Uh, my, my mom and dad, they have a lot of real estate. And so that was my vision. So I said, OK, well, I know engineering is leaving a six figure job, probably isn't the smartest thing to do from some people's eyes. So if I have enough money saved, then that would be my that would be my um, my cushion. And my dad was like, OK, what's the worst thing that can happen is you just go back and go get another six figure job. That was the mindset. Right. Um, you know, but but making that transition, I made sure that I made all of my purchases that I need to before I left my job. Yeah. Right. I bought I bought, a new, bought my new car, bought a house, do all do, did all those things so that I can say, hey, look, I have still I still have stubs. I still have W2 income. Right. So those are the things that you want to be important um, yes. cognizant of when you're leaving that job, making that leap, like purchase everything that you need, because maybe for two years, if you're not paying yourself a salary, it's going to be difficult to to, uh, to go through financing. And that is so important. And that is the main reason why I asked um, Christopher that. So a lot of you may be thinking, OK, Abby, I work a nine to five. I want to enter entrepreneurship or I want to run my own business. I want to have that freedom. And that is possible. Um, what we're not going to tell you is to leave your nine to five and start entrepreneurship without actually having a plan. Christopher yeah. had a plan. He was able to actually save, right? He 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 saved a quarter million before he, he left his nine to five. He made sure he had his vehicle. He made sure he had his home. So before entering into an entrepreneurship or before starting that business, make sure you have a game plan. Don't just don't just um go and I do listen, I believe I I literally believe in taking the leap. I believe I'm I'm probably the big the biggest risk taker out there. But it's so important without a plan, you're really walking into um, a world blindly. Entrepreneurship has its own world. When I say that literally, I've been an entrepreneur since 2012. I'm telling you, it's a world of its own. If you're not ready for it, make sure that you have put some things aligned. Yes, you can leave your nine to five to start your own business and even enter in that entrepreneur world. But you need a game plan. You yeah, do need a game plan. And the biggest thing you did was you were still working your nine to five while yep. working your business part time. Yep. That's like the best, best, best way to actually do it. <laughs> That's yep. awesome. Um, let me see. I have um, I recently turned my primary resident into a rental, but it is still in my name. Would I need to turn it into an LLC in order to get an EIM for it to officially be a business? Um, you can, you can. And remember that LLC um, is going to be specifically, you know, uh, as a liability, as a, a limited liability, as a protection um, for your rental property. Um, you don't necessarily, um, you don't really need um, to change um, the mortgage into the business name. Yeah. Um, you can just keep that EIN just for 
rental purposes. Yep. And the, the income that comes into play when you go, go to file it. Yeah. So when the income comes, you want to make sure that it does go into that business account. Um, you want to make sure any any maintenance, any um, if you are paying for a uh, manager, you want to make sure all of that is coming outside um, um, from the business account so that you can actually take advantage of those um, um, deduction. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so a quick question. Quick question. Um, Chris, have you thought about going back to nine to five? No, no, I can't go back. I can't go back to nine to five. Um, this year, I think, let's see. Oh, yeah, actually, in October, October 15th of this year, we'll actually make 10 years um, that I have not been in corporate America, right? So, you know, I'm still alive. You know, I, I think that's the wow. important thing. <laughs> Bills are still getting paid, right? Um, so I, I think I would, I could never go back. Um, but at the same time, I think that when, you, when we're thinking about a nine to five, uh, being an employee, I think you're always sometimes when you're building a business, sometimes you're still an employee of other people. Yeah, right? that's true. So at, at the end of the day, so even even though I, I run my, I have my own business, right? Mm-hmm. I, my, my, I have to be somewhat in an, an employee mindset or form to handle clients, right? So so when 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 if I get speaking engagements, right, they pay me a, a fee. Yes, I'm self-employed, but I have an obligation. Does that make sense? That's so when when I, when, I, when I think about when I think about um, I guess a nine to five or being an employee, I think I think more about the commitment that you're making to whatever that you're doing. OK, because um, I think sometimes if we have a deeper commitment when it comes to our business, especially in the beginning, like you got to treat your business like it like it is a job in the beginning because you got to be on it. You got you got to be you know, you're going to work longer than a nine to five. Right. You're going to make sure that you got to be dedicated to what you're doing, that you're learning, that you're putting the time in, that you're not working like a hobby, like you're, you're doing it five, six, seven days a week. That's what it takes in the beginning. Right. So so you can't have like a lazy employee mentality. Right. Uh, like half the time you spend it on TikTok, Instagram, right? Even if you wanted to, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how any entrepreneur or any business owner could actually have be a, a have that a lazy mindset, no. or you're not an entrepreneur. Exactly. <laughs> well, let, me ask, let me ask you this: So, so for you, what, what are you? You know, you really run a, a great business. What do you do to kind of to kind of relax, or like, hey, what what do you do in your downtime to move away from the business life, the hustle and bustle, your goals and dreams, being financially independent? What, what, what does Abby do after, after after hours? What would you say? I will probably say I'm a workaholic. Put it out there, y'all. I'm a workaholic. It's always um, unlike I'm going to say unlike you. Your story is beautiful. But unlike you, I left my nine to five because I was going through my divorce and mm-hmm. I didn't have I couldn't find anybody to go pick up my daughter for me from school. So I said, listen, put my big girl pants on and um and and open my firm and and then went for my masters uh, and i will tell you the worst thing is is not being able to receive your checks every two weeks when you are used yeah. to it and you used to make good money and then yeah. now <laughs> you're running a business and you still don't have money <laughs> so yeah. that's why it's so important like chris says is to have a game plan even while you work your nine to five um you could work your business part-time so then that you um there's 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 balance you can balance it because there was no balance for me i literally um i sold my home (laughs) i sold my home and opened my business um with no money i'll be honest with you a friend of mine bought me my first pc um my best friend 
Um, her and I would wake up every Tuesday. We would go to Chick-fil-A um, and then start looking for offices. She was opening her business. I was opening mine. So I think um, my journey has um, has always been where I didn't have a choice but to hustle. I didn't have a choice but to work hard. I didn't have a choice but to be a workaholic, um, being a single mom, you know, and I was raised with money. So I was raised with both of my parents. So having my daughter, I always wanted that same mentality, that same lifestyle for her too. So I didn't have a choice but to hustle. So yes, I'm a workaholic. Probably what I would say downtime for me is um is sundays weekends because those were always family time so yeah. because they were family time they have become a habit of you don't work during those time it's family time you relax but i'm a workaholic i'm sorry yeah. god <laughs> no it's, it's, so that's, that's, that's why what's so next? more important for you to go on this trip right you gotta go you gotta go on this japan trip you gotta go make that happen I want a vacation. I want like a real vacation. Come on. Exactly. Not a trip. Trip is a four-letter word, right? You got to have a vacation, right? I know. I know. I know. I get excited just hearing people um, just learning how to pivot. Um, pivot has its timing, right? Yeah. So maybe in my situation, pivoting from a nine to five and then jumping into um, a business was not the smartest thing, right? But if you if you can actually sit down and put a plan together, that's that's exactly what I would recommend. What Absolutely. I would recommend, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yes. All right. Time. So the next thing that we um, we talk about is how how all of these entity structures are taxed, right? And even as a business um, owner, um, Chris, like at what point? just as individuals, right? We need our finance to be in order. As a business owner, we need our finance um, to be in order. At what point do we start knocking in your door? So I think I think from the, the beginning, the beginning part okay. of it, right? Again, because I think in the be even before you have a business, right? We got to make sure we have a strong personal financial plan personally, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but then even after that, we got to make sure that once the personal plan is, is set up correctly, we got to make sure now the business part because a lot of times people say, okay, a lot of businesses fail in the first three to five years. Well, it's not a lot of times because the business is wasn't working or the business wasn't great. It's because the business had uh, a strain on our personal financial situation. See, so if you have a better, a stronger financial foundation, right, mm -hmm. from the personal, the household, in the beginning, the business should just be, just be laying yet, right? That should just be extra. So I think so when somebody's looking at starting a business, right, you got to speak down with an advisor or somebody that's going to help you craft a plan to, OK, well, uh, maybe some people may be making 50000 or $75,000 a year, but they may be starting a business because they need extra income. Right. So if they need that extra income. Now we got a plan. OK, well, how much of that business income can we use for the personal to, to get us in a stable position versus how can, much can we use of that income from the business that's going to help us grow? So I, I think it's, it's a pull and take on both sides, because um, sometimes the business is utilized to help us in personal or now we can really just focus on business growth. But you got to get to that point. So what? Um, so my, we'll use me as a perfect example. Um, income is coming from my business from day one. So then, so I would never have reached out to you in the beginning because there wasn't any personal finance, right? It is the yeah. business that have um, that have created that personal finance. So then, let's just say, okay, I'm making uh, um, six figures, or I'm making one hundred and fifty thousand a year, or I'm making five hundred thousand um, thousand dollars a year. How does my business? finance how do 
I need to align my business finances even for future wise yeah, to protect I, I, not just me personally, but to protect the business? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, I would kind of go in order. What we talked about earlier is that if you have a business, one thing I know, there's a lot of business owners that I consult with, but I realize that they are not really necessarily make a lot of money but they're not living within the means that they can, right? So I use my I, I use I use my income, my W two income for my business, right, to kind of get me on a budget myself. Because okay, if we we're making a million dollars or making seven fifty grand, you can really say okay, I got a good lifestyle that I can kind of just spend. But you're still not having a financial plan. That makes sense. So so I, I want to say okay, well if you're if you're making um, hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year on a W two, okay, does your does your lifestyle fit into there? Because if we're trying to get, we start a business because mainly because we want to be financially independent quicker for most people, yeah. or right, we we just don't want to have a nine to five. But it, the goal is to be financially independent. So so I need to make sure as I'm growing my business that my W two income I can run my life inside of what I'm paying myself. Right. I think that's the first step. Right. The yeah. second step would be okay. Now when do I start investing and adding on a different puzzle pieces to wealth in order to get me there quicker? Right. And and I think that's where it, it kind of the the the, um, the line kind of starts on both places. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree a hundred percent. So. And, and just like Louis said, business credit is important. So then when we're looking at um, the, the structure of the business, it's not just the entity, right? Yeah. When we're looking at the structure of the business, we also have to look at the, the financial part. Yeah, of your, the, your, your um, lifestyle. You got to look at your right. lifestyle. It's literally your lifestyle. And what I find is that individuals that have a good relationship with money usually run their business the best. So um, I would say when, when you are having that business structure, planning is important. Budgeting is important. That W-2 keeps you intact. Listen, I tell people all the time, my firm pays me. I work for my firm. So yeah. the entity itself owns itself, right? I may own my own business, but the entity itself has to be able to take care of itself. So that's yeah. part of the structuring, structuring um, the business. Credit is part of structuring the business. Um, 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 uh, planning is part of structuring the business. And realistically, before you even start that entity, you should actually put together a business plan. Without a business plan, what are we doing? Right. So that's 100%. all part of structuring. So um, even next week, we're definitely going to talk about how to actually put a business plan together. We are going to discuss business credit, um, how, you know, how to put your business in a position to where when you go to the bank, it's, it, it's respectfully, you know, you have the right documents. Um, we'll also discuss with you guys, you know, how to read um, your financial reports, how to read your profit and loss and how to read um, your balance sheets. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for you guys. If you guys are looking into entrepreneurship, if you're looking into creating an entity um, um, this year or even, even, even next year. So for me, um, Chris, if I come to you, right, and I'm making about $500,000 a year, and I say my accountant has um, told me to reach out to you because I have a high tax liability, I need to move this money, what are financial um, avenues that I need to take? Yeah, so so I mean, the biggest thing is, number one, um, I'm, I'm going to be looking at brokerage accounts for the business. Um, okay. We're going to look at retirement accounts for our business. Okay. Um, if you're in a position based on your age as well and cash flow is consistent, like so you say, hey, look, I've had consistent cash flow for at least the last four to five years. Then I may be looking at it like we talked about last week, a cash balance plan. 
Um, I'm also looking at, okay, well, what other types of things that, what type of liability do you have you typically experienced, right? Are you typically at the end of the year and you say, Hey, look, well, I know I may owe the IRS a hundred grand. Well, maybe that's the position to where we need to do some cost segregation or we may need to buy real estate or right. Those are things that we got to look for, right. Um, as our income grows, but all that doesn't come up at the end of the year. Like we've been talking about on every episode, it should be a tax plan. It should be a financial plan, meaning there's something that's getting done every single month. Yeah. Right? Especially if you own a business, right? Yeah. You're, you should know what your liability is going to be um, by November um, uh, um, of the year, right? You would be, you would be, amazed, you would be amazed who does it. Um, I would say if you are a business owner, cousins that are in here, if you are a business owner, if I, if I call you and ask you um, how your PNL looks like or your balance sheets. I need you to be able to answer that. Yeah. Or if I say to you, what, how does your quarterly cash flow looks like? You should be able to answer that question. If I ask you, what was your net income in your business last year? You should be able to answer that question. And I think where we lack of is where there's a difference between running a business and managing a business. Yeah. Okay. So running the business is the front end. Managing the business is the back end. And I think we do an amazing job with the front end, but we lack in the back end. And the reason why we do so well in the front end is because let's just say, Chris, you're a financial advisor, right? You're very good at what you do. So you focus so much on what you do that you don't take care of what you do. Absolutely. And managing your business is taking care of that baby. Like I always say, Serenity Financial Services is my baby. I treat it just like I would treat Serenity, just like I would treat my child. I treat my business as such. I respect her. I take care of her. I nurture her the same way you should take care of your business on both ends. And if you are not equipped to um, manage your business in the back end, this is where you bring in a professional to take care of it in the back end. So you may say, okay, what is the front end? The front end of your business is what? The actual work. So I'm an accountant, right? I'm looking at budgets. I'm looking at uh, report. I'm reconciling books. I'm um, I'm doing um, quarterly tax um, review sales tax. I'm quarterly doing estimated tax. I'm doing annual tax return. Those are front end. I'm doing consult. Um, I'm doing mid-year um, 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 appointments. That's the front end. But let's just say that's all I do. And I never pull up my report, yeah. meaning the company report. That's the back end. So it's very important that you do you do not only run the business, but you manage it in um, um, in the back end. And we will definitely talk more into how to manage your business in the back end and how to run it in, um, in the front end. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's going to be perfect. <laughs> that's going to be really good. Perfect. Good stuff. Yeah. And, and, and again, there's a lot that um, if, if you are new um, to the world of entrepreneurship or business, it's okay with the idea that you're not going to know everything. I think I probably, every, I've probably taught myself everything I know from making mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> from making a lot of mistakes. So don't, don't, don't worry. Um, that's what we're here for. You we're can fail forward. Learn. I mean, you yeah. fail forward and learn on the way. And that's, and I think that's one thing It's part of business. We all got to do our due, especially when you're building a, 
a big business. There's things that's going to happen. There's things that's going to have to change. Um, but yeah, it's, it's part of it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we will pull up a PL. We're going to go over it with you guys. We will pull up a balance sheet. We're going to go over it with you guys what cash flow needs to look like. We'll, def- we'll definitely be there. And I know for sure Chris is definitely going to help you guys put yep. a financial plan together. Absolutely. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's all I had for you guys tonight. Do you have any N-words for the cousins today, Christopher? Uh, I don't know if I have too many N-words. I think we said a lot through the episode that we need to really think about when it comes to our business. Um, I guess one thing that I really want to make sure that we do is, um, you know, Vic, if you can put up um, our email address again. Um, because we wanted to, you know, make sure we're answering you guys' questions. So when you have real life situations um, of your business. Okay. Um, and I and I really just want to know what types of businesses that people are doing, right? What type of businesses that you have? What are some of the roadblocks that you may have um, of starting your business, right? And, you know, and understanding, okay, how do we, how are we really supposed to manage our business and our personal finances? Uh, I, again, we 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 discuss it a little bit, but I, I think that's the part that's really huge on how we really get that part to work. Yeah, M- managing is is. Managing is harder than actually doing. Absolutely. This is totally off topic. What is it on my brain? Like, you know, I just, I'm, I'm so amazed of how expensive cars are, right? No matter what you buy, like these days, it's like, it's ridiculous. Like everything's a thousand dollars a month. Everything's like $700 a month. Can you believe that? Listen, I, was, 20, I, was trying, I was looking at a new car. It's like, Lord, you know, I really don't want to get a car. new car. Well, I really don't want to spend a thousand dollars a month. I'm being, being, uh, I guess. <laughs> well, listen, I'm, uh, well, I'm over here thinking if I should give you some tax advice. <laughs> Come on, give, me some, give me some tax advice. No, Josh is so over here thinking to myself, I can't be coming in this YouTube giving people advice. Okay, so um, this is not financial advice, but listen, there's some amazing um Tesla credits. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. That's 7500 is nice. And especially if you can get a Tesla, what, in California, I heard for about what, under 30K? Yeah. Or is it 30K? Yeah. So, and you know, my last, my, yeah, my last two cars was, had been Tesla. So, but oh, I was waiting for the truck to come different? out. Well, I was waiting for the truck to come out. I just didn't want to get something in between. Uh, so, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, so it's, you were trying to get something in between uh, while you wait for the truck. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's that. But I uh, asked, you know, that came to mind, not because I was going through, but also, the, again, I think that's another part of, of the business um that we were kind of we're going to kind of discuss and you know why don't we just buy it under the business yeah exactly and understand how how to buy how to buy um cars under your business name properly right Uh, understand what the financing options are right understand okay should i put a down payment those type things like so i mean a down payment is is you know i've never really put down payments on cars right if i if if i don't want to put a down payment down because basically per thousand dollars is only dropping your payment down maybe twenty dollars or seventeen dollars per thousand dollars that you put down right so so, so when you look at that okay well if you got to put down five thousand dollars down and it's only dropping your note a hundred dollars well you could what could what what would that five thousand dollars do if you invested it over a five-year period right it's gonna do it's, it's, it's gonna save you it's gonna do 10 times better when you're understanding how to invest the money properly so i want to help people understand okay what is the financial means and what how do we think about this situations on buying cars because i think that's that affects a lot of people's income whether it's from the business side or you're using section 179 in the code and getting a deduction or right we're doing it from a personal side as well uh, but you know those are and even that- and even too if even if you get even if you purchase even if you don't purchase a vehicle under your business right let's just say I purchase a vehicle under my personal name 
and, yeah. but I use it for business. So then um, as long you use it um, 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 more than half, then you can still depreciate it. Absolutely. You can still depreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, so we're getting a new car. We, yeah, we got we got you, a lot of you, things to talk gonna, about, right? Gonna, we, um, we, gonna, yeah, we have a lot to talk about. So you're gonna um you're gonna show us pictures when you do get your new car? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we I'll sh we'll show some pictures. We'll show some pictures. <laughs> again, I was like, I was looking at um <laughs> uh I was like, well, shoot, I was like, I may just go get this Honda Accord for three hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? Uh <laughs> but but I knew Abby wasn't gonna be excited for me about that. But um, look, I'm not getting excited for no Honda Accord when you were just <laughs> leaving a Tesla and then and then he's waiting for the Tesla. OK, but you know what? Listen, if the game plan is um the, the, the truck. Right. And we're just getting trying to find something in between while we wait for our truck. What's wrong with a Honda Accord? Absolutely. See, yeah, it's about, it's about the bank account, it's about the investment account, right? Thank you. I will be down for a Honda Accord, <laughs> and I will still accept a picture of that Honda Accord. Come on. <laughs> we got to be smart with our money. That's it. That's it. Well, we're all good stuff. So we got, you know, that's one thing that was on my mind. I think, you know, that will kind of help people give them a real breakdown. I, I want to find a really good person in the auto industry to come online with this one day. Um, it may not be this, you know, this month, but I think that'll be cool to help help for them to break down, right? Purchasing business, right? How how that looks. I think that'll be that'll be dope. That'll be dope. Mark would comment Listen, on this. I part. love Hondas. Right. Mark said pass on the Honda. <laughs> Listen, my um my second car was a Honda Accord. I drove I drove my Honda through 385,000 miles, baby. Come on. I drove this, that this, baby down. This, this is a whole nother conversation. We got people say, should, uh this last one. Should you should you ever outright pay for a car? Mm. <laughs> what would you I mean it all depends it all depends on right. You should not outright pay for a fifty thousand dollar car or sixty thousand dollar car, right? But if you're looking for a bobo tie, we call them bobo ties. <laughs> If you're looking for a bobo tie, right, and the bobo tie costs about five, six thousand dollars, um, and you don't want monthly payments, then yeah, you find you a Honda, Honda Accord. I'm trying to tell y'all, Hondas don't die. <laughs> <laughs> Honda will. You can ride a Honda till the wheels fall off. Come on, I love Hondas. So I don't care if it is a Honda that you do get. You see Mark say pass on the Honda. Yeah, Mark, what do you want him to get? No, I'm, I'm, he's going to say, Mark's going to say a Tesla. You already know Mark's going to say a Tesla. He love his Tesla. But he, you already have a Tesla. So no, no Tesla. Yeah, they surely get broken into a lot. The, Which uh, Not Honda. You talking about Kia. He's, well, he's he's waiting for his cyber truck, Mark. Mark ain't having it. I already know. <laughs> Mike is not having it. Yeah, he's not listen, have listen it. when you get your Honda, we're gonna send the picture to Mike first. <laughs> <laughs> no Honda. We can't. We can't have no conversation like that with Mark, right? No, not at all. You know, Mark. Mark, you should do. You should market Tesla. I don't know why he, why Elon Musk don't have your picture in the Tesla. For as much he love his Tesla. <laughs> well, um, but Listen, that's all I have. But that's all I have for tonight, Abby. What we got? That's all we have for you guys tonight. Thank you so much again for showing up. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on the video. And we will see you next Wednesday at eight thirty Eastern Time. I'm Abby Joseph, your tax strategist. I'm Christopher Bush, your financial advisor. And thank you again for joining us in another episode of the Red Line. We'll see you all next right. time. All right, goodbye. <laughs>